Hello, and welcome to Wyverns and Weirdos Fathomless, a D&D podcast set in the world of Fialor. I'm your Dungeon Master Darby, and joining me as always are Eddie, playing Tibble and Damien, Mitch, playing Neris, Jake, playing the Fishman, Joe, playing Alton, Laura, playing Rue and Janice, Emily, playing Cerise, and Zoe, playing Loren. Let's jump into it. So, where we last left off, Cerise and Loren of the Red Phoenix, along with Red Phoenix guest of mysterious circumstances, Damien, arrived at the Polaris to ask for a favor, to hitch a ride back to the harbor city of Ankather. Along the way, Damien made himself known to the entire crew, looking to make connections, while Cerise was approached by a fishman with questions about the mysterious god she serves and what her future goals may be. Loren, seemingly drawing others more towards her without intention, spoke with Neris and Janice of a fear for her inner self. Finally, we join tonight on board of the Polaris, as after many days of travel, the ship arrives with Ankather on the horizon. Boson Janice is struck by a horrifying, familiar sight. The ship of the Sin Seekers is close by. The weather is cold, and it is pelting down with rain. Janice, is there anything that you do upon recognizing this vessel? So, as mentioned, this late morning is stark, cold, and pouring with rain, and a chill setting in as its very antithesis. Janice, tall, imposing, and strong, casts this long stare across the horizon. And he's tall and still and pert and is gazing out with this great intensity and almost pauses in a moment in time and then rises himself up to his full height. For it, anyone? Crow, here, now. Fetch the captain. Both of them. And then he starts to yeah, make whistle noises, like all hands on deck right now. Neris and Tibble, you are each separately summoned by various members of the crew who tell you that Janice has apparently spotted something alarming. Tibble wheels his way onto the deck and he heads straight for Janice because if Janice is alarmed, he knows to be alarmed too. And I don't know whether he or Neris reach Janice first, but Tibble would immediately, as soon as he gets to Janice, just be like, Janice, what is it? What's happening? And Tibble would already notice he has barreled down to the weapons stores. He is already buckling into his armor. And he pops his head through the top of his breastplate and fastens it as he looks down at Tibble. Captain, it's... it's them. In the port. It's the Sin Seekers. It's unmistakable. It's their ship. Tibble freezes for half a second and I guess Janice you would know if he ever stops it's never in this way there's usually a moment of thought behind it this seems like a moment where everything stops and after a moment he stands up out of his chair and pulls himself up and he grabs his sword he reaches forward for Janice and he's like it's not going to happen again 
he would be able to sense that, that tremor that is ever present. But to most, Janus is just standing tall and imposing and fierce as this is crackling of thunder that is brewing, but he is currently not swirling around him. And he just looks down quite fiercely at Tibble and just nods. Of course, it can't. As you look down at Tibble, he is out of his chair, standing as he did when he was at his best as a captain, that sort of unwavering leadership. But you see that in a very similar manner to you, he is trembling. We need to find Neris. So for the second half of that conversation, I would say Neris probably overheard as he was summoned and made way with all haste. And he just sort of stopped as he heard Walk of the Sin Seekers. And there was a moment, probably difficult to tell from where he probably opened a door and kind of stood in the doorway, but there was a moment of fear and frustration almost before it was just replaced with confusion and questioning. And he'll look out and go, There's no way they have found us. Neris, Chibble scampers over to where you're standing. I, I defer to you as standing captain, but if you need me in any capacity, I am at your disposal. This cannot happen again. It will not. No, I don't believe it will. I think we might have an opportunity to right some wrongs here. And he looks up at you and there isn't anything wavering in how he looks at you. He just looks to you with trust. They could not... They could not have found you and looks across at Janice and specifically at the amulet. Janice snaps to attention as they arrive. His eyes are brighter than you've ever seen them before. Balsam, I understand that you may be feeling trapped here. I do not believe they are aware of our presence. No. No, of course not. But they are docked in Agathir. Either way, they are having dealings here. And if they're not here for me, then what are they here for? My family live not far from here. And then blankness passes over his eyes and he straightens up a bit more again. This is not something to be taken lightly. And nor should it. Neris is going to turn to just one of the crew, whoever is around. Please fetch the remaining senior officers and possibly our guests as well. We may need their particular expertise. And Neris will wait and think. Probably just after that crew member leaves, Fishman will probably walk in despite it being early in the morning, despite not being sent for. He'll probably walk in and quickly just say, it's a lot of panic for this early of the morning. I can see why. Are we ready? Word has travelled fast, I see. You all got very loud very suddenly. Ah, yes, my apologies. You're probably sleeping. We would not be making such din if it were not important. I expected to get up at around this time anyways. He'll, like, sit back and rest up against a wall waiting for everyone to appear. I think not very long passes, and I don't think he would have been with Loren and Cerise. Who knows where he would have been? Maybe some of the crew. But a door swings open quite dramatically, and Damien strides forward with purpose. He doesn't necessarily look angry. He doesn't look scared, but there's something. And he stands forward, assesses who is around... I think he looks to Janice first and then to Fishman. He reaches Fishman and he leans in close and he says, Now why in the seven hells did no one 
decide to tell me that you lot had pissed off the Sin Seekers before we decided to join your fun little happy-go-lucky crew? The inner workings of our crew are that of our crew. You are a guest aboard this vessel, and you chose to join us. Now, darling, where I come from, hospitality is keeping your guests safe. If I knew for one second that you lot had pissed off the Sin Seekers, no rain nor shine was I coming on this ship. Damien, we have annoyed the Sin Seekers. They are uncomfortable with our presence. If you wish to leave... Sweetheart, y'all aren't the only ones. I really didn't want them to know where I was. Will you join us, or will you flee? Because it seems these are your two options right now. Sweetheart, where in the hells am I gonna go? Jump overboard? Go for a little swim? Then you've made your decision. I suppose I have, haven't I? Also, if I may just interject, I know we are about to have a very important crew meeting. It's very important if you have been in contact with the Sin Seekers and you have annoyed them in some way, why would you not bring that up with us before we invite you on board the Polaris? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Which one of us is the guest here? It's just common hospitality, isn't it? How do you know them? This is the more important question. Hmm. How do you? I was captured by them. Oh, were you just? I mean, sweetheart, don't get me wrong. If I was a one of their entities, I'd want to kidnap you in a heartbeat. But I think you and I both know that they don't just kidnap anyone. Quite right. Loren appears in a puff of mist, as close to Neris as she could guess where he was. And what in the hells are you doing waking us all up at this hour? There's a little bit of danger coming into port. Just wanted to advise you of that. Then why is everyone looking like we're all about to die? All right, medical cabin's all set up. We should be ready for any injuries. All good is rerunning it today. Oh, actually, I managed to get the other medic, Sia, to follow some of the plans. In the background, Rue's long and tall and dark in this pouring rain, picks her way up through the stairs like a spider, and then straightens themselves and just looks directly at Alton. Cerise is probably the last one to turn up, and she just strolls on in. Do we know someone on land we can contact? Perhaps one of the heads of the Hydra. I'm sure a message would do. Are they aware that the enemies we have reported, those that have been targeting us, are in their port? Contacting the heads of the Hydra would be a wonderful idea. If not them, is there anyone else? Eldrin Forbray is, I believe, still on the island. He is a reliable third party. Otherwise, I do wish to ask of all of you, and he looks at Janice. I believe we may have caught them unawares. Is this a fight we are willing to take, or do we wish to make use of what little wind we have and find port somewhere else? Janice locks eyes off Nerys. Janice, you hear a familiar voice in your head. Hello, Stormbreaker. I don't know where you are, but we don't like conflicts of interest. Let's see if we can relieve you of some obligations. Janice steals... What are you doing? Is there any sort of magical interference happening with Janice? Do you have constant detect magic on? I don't. I'm just trying to figure out if something's happening. Roll me an arcana check. And that That's... was Silenon, was it, Darby? Yes, that was Silenon's voice. Probably while Neris is pondering this, Janice whirls around and claps her hand on Neris's shoulder. Neris, Neris, we, we need to we need to investigate this. They spoke to me in my head, Silenon, I'm... That was a 26... You don't notice any sort of magical interference, but based on what Janice has just said, you pick up fairly easily this was a sending spell. Which, 
as an evocation spell is not affected by the amulet. Can Fishman rush up to the crisis, please, and check out the Sin Seeker ship? He can. Roll me a perception check. So that is a 26. Yeah. Uh, no. Right. He'll rush back down and say, The ship is completely barren. Not even a lantern is lit. We have to go. We have to go to port. I, I cannot. I have to investigate. My full family. Full sails to anchor, sir. Neris orders full sails forward. It is from where you are, probably only half an hour before you're able to dock properly into port. Fishman would have gone up to Neris and gone, The message, Neris. Did you send it? I'm considering sending a separate one. Do what you can. As, yeah, Fishman will probably go around making sure everything's stocked for a fight. Ballister's um, loaded, cannon's loaded. Neris is going to send a couple of sending spells. Before he does, he's going to look at Janice and say, you want me to check? Please, I am in your debt here. Neris is going to send a sending to Anna. What is the sending? This is Neris Solalanti of the Polaris. Janice is safe. Please advise on your situation. Hope you are well. <laughs> That's all. We don't want to cause the love if we don't have to. And Janice is jittery and like not crackling with like electrical energy, but he almost could be. And in the background, it's like his wings have sort of manifested. There might be some deck crew members trying to speak to him. He's just like vibrating over his skin. So the response. Andaris, nice to hear from you. Everything's fine here. Bit hectic with the kids. Why? Is something wrong? We don't respond to that. <laughs> Neris will instead turn to Janice. They are fine. They are safe. Fine. Oh, thank Shonesh. Thank the gods. Thank the seas and the everlasting sunlight. And he just like sinks to his knees and then just looks up. They said they wanted to eliminate other ties. I can't think of anything else that would be. I think I can. And Neris is going to send another sending. Did Janus relay the sending that was in his head? Yes, he would. But he is super agitated. He sent another message. This one is much shorter, much more succinct. It's just Sin Seekers in Ankathir. Prepare defenses. They are planning an elimination. Advise intentions. Polaris. Currently attending to business. We will take things very seriously. Fortunately, we are meeting to discuss matters as we speak. Darby. <laughs> that vision that Neris had, the one far in the future but very close, when Neris looked at his reflection, it was like an older version of himself, yes. The other people in that meeting room, did they look like older versions of themselves? No. Neris is going to ponder that while we full sail to Ankathir. Alright. Eventually, you pull into port and are able to set anchor and, I assume, prepare to disembark the ship. Neris is going to question the crew. Are we making saves the Hydra or are we assaulting the ship? My course of action would be to follow the pursuit of Sin Seekers, but I understand if the Polaris has a different goal. Kibble walks over to Janice and he stands with Janice and he says, I'm not currently standing captain. I don't want a single one of you to currently see me as your captain. 
but I'm standing with Janice. Could we have made it that Fishman ritually cast a detect magic from the period we went full sail to docking? He wants to look at that Sin Seeker ship because it's too good to be true. There is something magical about it, but there's no illusory magic. It would be a little bit conjuration, a little bit transmutation. I believe that the opportunity is too good to be true. There is magic to the vessel. I am not sure if it is trapped. Would have been nice if we could have just burnt the whole thing down while they're away. Could be worth looking into, but personally, I think we need to take those fuckers down. I am with Janus, however, I believe we should not make the same risk with our ship. Damien actually has his arms crossed and he's just been sort of watching and listening and his eyes look lazily over to Cerise and Loren and then over to the Sin Seekers ship. Personally, I do not want to get anywhere near the Sin Seekers for them to see me. However, I have recently befriended a couple of people who are quite in the profession of piracy, for lack of a better word. And if there is no one on that ship, maybe perhaps I can uh, commit some piracy myself. Whilst Damien's speaking, Fishman will turn his attention to him. Does Fishman see anything with detect magic? Damien doesn't really have any magical weapons, but you see one of his rings shines aggressively bright. And of course, his very silky smooth shiny chest. (laughs) (laughs) That's not magic, it's just that shiny. (laughs) There is specifically a signet ring that Damien wears that is incredibly bright with magic. Like the sound of that plan. I propose we split into three. If I can call you the pirate crew, you can board the vessel. We will chase the Sin Seekers, and all vice captains and other staff stay on this vessel to protect it. Captain? I believe that to be a good course of action. However, those of you on the Red Phoenix and your guest, we have fulfilled our obligation to you. We would appreciate welcome even some form of assistance in this manner. However, we do not expect it from you. We have taken you to port as we said we would. One more thing of note. The Sin Seekers can, as you might know, appear out of nowhere. I would not be comfortable owning that vessel for long. What's to stop them from simply just appearing? Perhaps that is why they leave it in such confidence. Perhaps better to sink it, then. Now, darling, you're just the one after my own heart, aren't you? (laughs) I can't speak for either me, Captain, or our guest, but I certainly am in the business of enjoying being owed favours. We can help. One of those bastards nearly made me a mother, and I'm not about that, so... Well, we appreciate any help you can give. Is there any argument with the plan that has been put forward by Fishman, Janus? I think it is a sound one. I will warn everyone, you do not want to be caught unawares by them. Please be careful. Understandable. After that last battle, they are tough little fuckers, so I think our best bet, if we're going to have any hope, is an ambush. So we might have to travel quickly, but we're going to have to be doing a little bit of information gathering while we do so, and maybe a bit more stealthy. Does that sound right? It is a rainy day. I would be happy to assist with the mists to obscure the rest of us. Rook offers their eyes brightening up as they tilt their head. Right. Also, Neris, do you know if you or any of like the heads of the Hydra or something are able to like bribe the guards so they don't get in the way? They could cause problems. Tend to in a bit of a hit and run kind of situation like this. We are potentially defending 
a company that has a lot of stock in the guards. I do not think they will get in our way if our intentions are plain. You believe they're going for the Hydra, then? I believe that is the possibility. If you have been told what you have been told... I can only apologize. We should make haste. What are our movements, then? We approach by stealth and hope they haven't gotten there yet. My concern is they may already be there. My contact at the Hydra was in the process of starting a meeting to discuss similar matters. I believe we must make all haste. Chibble, from where he's sort of been standing and he's been quite quiet since he moved to stand next to Janice, he pipes up, What if the Hydra can't be trusted? What if it's us that's betrayed? Just, I make detailed reports on everything that happens on this ship. The Hydra get a copy too. If this is the case, an investigation should probably happen quite soon. I suppose regardless, anyone who has an enemy, we either need to defend, calmly persuade to stop, or kill. So either way, we should be able to deal with this situation. I would, of course, suggest against the latter, but considering the Sin Seekers have tried to kill us, pretty good odds that we will probably have to do the same to them. Besides, you were all saying, the ship could be trapped. The Hydra could be trapped. Either way, you're walking into something. Rook also then turns, If you can ensure his safety, perhaps my friend could assist you if you wish to either destroy or take over the ship. And Ham taps his stubby little feet and licks his non-existent little bullet lips. Oh, we'd be so overjoyed to have Ham on our side. I would be more than happy to lend him to a friend. Would you like to join them, Ham? <laughs> he would be delighted. Oh, beautiful. I've always wanted a pet that can actually destroy things. Let's go. So, if I'm understanding this correctly, Cerise, Loren, Damien, and Ham are on ship destruction duty. Everyone else is going to intercept, potentially, the Sin Seekers at the Hydra headquarters. Neris is going to just shoot a quick message to um, his junior quartermaster, which is very simply, if anything goes wrong, give me a signal. Will do. So, we will call this a very quick skill challenge for making our way through Ankathir. So, those on the interception group, we're going to do a series of checks. I'm not going to tell you how many successes you need to make it there in reasonable time, but people can pitch what they want to do to contribute to this. So, for example, Rue has already said they can put their... Yeah, so Rue is going to activate their marine layer once we approach the docks, which heavily obscures. Because it's a rainy day, it's this rolling mist in from the sea, which would not be uncommon in this area. Rue has spent some time while we were docked in Ankathir waiting for Tibble to recover, just observing the area on their own. So he would also have some understanding, albeit not from a human perspective of what would be normal. It basically makes us mid to heavily obscured. We can still see somewhat out of it, but maybe it's a little bit more obscure, but as this like stream of marine fog just pours out of the seams of their mask. So for your check, roll me a stealth check with advantage. All right, so advantage. Ooh, okay. Only a 14. The other one was a one though, so I'm glad I had advantage. Okay. Would this terrain be considered coastal? Yes, it would be. Just for Fishman's expertise in the area? For the sake of a skill challenge to kind of navigate through the streets of the city, give me a survival check. 
and survival uses wisdom, which my proficiency is doubled for this. Oh, I think we're in for a very good time. Uh, 30. <laughs> so between Fishman's navigational ability and Rue's marine lay, you're able to very quickly make your way through the city. What else are people doing to contribute? Tibble almost relishes in not being in the chair anymore. And when he's down on all fours, he's moving and manoeuvring as he usually would. But he also knows how to move around a moving ship. So basically enabling people to much better move through the crowd. Yep. Okay, so for that, we'll get you to roll a persuasion check and add your superiority dice to it. Now, you are still effectively at one level of exhaustion, so the persuasion is at disadvantage. Cool. (laughs) Those are exactly the same result. I rolled two 18s. That would be 32. Yeah, so as people are navigating through the crowd, you're able to basically go, can you just, to the side, okay, uh, you, okay, go, go, go! Able to find the gaps in the crowd. And I think it helps that he's quite small too, so he can probably move forward a little bit and almost, in a sense, scout ahead and shift people as needed. Who would like to pitch their thing next? Alton will. Alton knows what it's like to live in cities, to be out and about. He knows what kind of people get ignored, what gets attention grabbed to him. So really quickly with the resources he has available, he's just going to get out his tinker's tools and like put them around his belt. He's going to walk in this like really casual stance. He'll grab a pouch from his robe of useful items, which are kind of just like sewn in the middle of his capelet thing and get out like a wooden ladder and he's just going to walk around looking like he's just a labourer out on the docks. So essentially he knows that this kind of person is someone that like might draw a bit of attention because they're holding a huge ladder but then you look at them and you're like, uh, it's just a worker. And it's someone people are going to want to keep out of the way of. So I think for this, I will allow either a persuasion or a performance. Just be aware there has already been a persuasion. So the DC for a persuasion would be higher than the DC for a performance. Do I go for persuasion, which is plus two, or performance, which is minus one? I'll try performance. Um, so this is just a standard roll. Ooh, all right. Um, 17, so that's a 16. You're able to find your own spots and people make an effort to give you a wide berth when they're passing you, which enables you to take the best route for yourself. That was success number four. So you are there at the entrance to the Heads of the Hydra's HQ. As you are approaching, you see five figures enter. Four of them familiar, the last of them cloaked with a hood up. The cloak is dark, black predominantly, with viridian green trimmings. The cloaked figure is wielding a rusting copper staff, green tints to it. The end of the staff is almost like a clawed, gnarled hand holding on to a crystal orb. And the five head into the building with that figure leading the way. Many of us seen that particular style of staff or the ornament or anything like that before. Roll me a perception check, Nero. 16. You don't really recognize it, no. Meanwhile, back on the docks... Cerise, Loren, Damien, and Ham. What is your plan to firstly get aboard this ship? Damien turns to Cerise and Loren. 
Now, darlings, I may or may not have certain connections with these people. I may or may not have pissed these people off. However, what if myself and the big fella here, we go on ahead and scope it out? If there's anyone about, well, I'll deal with that. And I'll give you some sort of signal. And keep all the fun to yourself. There's a lot of information on that ship that we could use. And there's a lot of it that may be relevant to you, but there's also shit that's relevant to us. So if we're poking about, we're all poking about together. And if we need to call for help, there's still a whole crew on the Polaris and they now owe us a favor. Loran. And also, to be fair, Damien, I don't actually trust you to go ahead on your own. If I'm just being honest here. Captain, who's going aboard? Damien and Ham will go on ahead. And she just holds her hand up. Damien looks genuinely surprised at that, but then just sort of preens a little bit. Now don't get too big for your boots. Right, I would Damien. never. These are big boots. All, All right, right, big filly, you ready? <laughs> and Damien puts a hand on Ham, and after a moment, they're gone. And Damien dimension doors into the ship. So when Damien disappears, Cerise just turns to Loren and says... If things do go south, it's better off he gets hurt than us. At the risk of losing information. Yes, there may still be ways of getting that information. Damien, can you roll me an investigation check as you search through the ship? What does he see? What's... It is an incredibly lavish, ornate ship. Now, you would have gone onto the deck. You note there used to be a standard ship's wheel at the helm of this ship. There is not one as it is currently built, but it is lavishly built almost over the top in its decadence. Cool. That's a 16 investigation. He's got a tier of priorities here. The first tier of what he is trying to look for is people to make sure that there is no one here. I would also like to cast Detect Magic. The second thing that he is looking for is items of magical value that they may have left here. And the third thing that he is looking for... For the 16, what I will give you is there are no living entities present. If you go into the ship itself, it appears it's crewed by essentially a fleet of unseen servants that are just going about their business. There aren't many significant magical items of great power or worth, except for one that you find within a room within the ship. Within this one room, there is a chair that puts everything to shame. And it is absolutely radiant with magic. Excellent. Damien turns to Ham before he starts looking for information. And he says, go along now, fella. Go get the others. Meanwhile, back with the Hydra-seeking crew. You've just seen these five figures enter the headquarters. What is your response? That's them. I believe I saw the boss in shadows once. It was a projection. Yes. That's the boss in person. They never turned up when I was there. You're right, Naris. They are going for the Hydra. I mean, it looks down and regards Tibble. Or they're going to do business with them. What matters here, regardless of the outcomes, is there are only two. They are here to destroy the Hydra or to make peace with them. What matters here... Fishmen, 
Yes, Captain. Do you trust Elton? I do. Rue, do you trust Tibble? I do. Janice, do you trust me? It's kind of a flash of like light over his eyes as he turns again to look at you furtively. You know the answer to that one. Then we all know where to put our faith, regardless of what happens. We stick together, we all make it out of this. As a team. As a team? Yes, as a team. Yeah, right, we got this. Now, how do we propose to deal with this? Well, my concern would be making sure that if the Hydra are innocent here, they are kept safe. Perhaps stealth, but stealth of a different kind. If they are walking in in broad daylight, the Hydra are aware that they are coming. There is a meeting being conducted, whether the outcome of that is known by both parties or not. Perhaps if some of us are more inclined to be stealthy, some of us are more inclined to be conversationally apt, some of us are very good at punching things until they stop moving. Potentially, what if some of us go in for an unscheduled visit, some of us sneak around, and the others identify any threats and nullify them. We don't know if these five were completely on their own. Otherwise, we can all either wait here or walk in together. And whatever happens, happens. They can walk in fearless. So can we. If anything, we have more of a reason to than they do. We're just returning from a mission, are we not? There's a report to be made. We do not have much time. Can I clarify what are our intentions here? We're in information gathering. Or are we doing an ambush? I believe there is a little of column A and B, plus a few columns that have not been brought into question yet. (laughs) I see. I mean, they hurt our boss. They kidnapped one of our crewmates. We need to get retribution for that. How are you collectively approaching? If the captains of the Polaris make entrance, perhaps those behind them can sneak by. Probably the best idea. Best of luck, everyone, then. Stay safe. So... As you enter, you see at the reception desk a slumped, somewhat withered form just collapsed on the desk from their seated position. And the five figures you saw entering, four of them, the ones familiar to all of you, are turning around as if getting into a lookout position when they and their fifth notice you. And when you notice the fifth, there's something eerily familiar about their face. Years older than you see him before you now. Gnarled, scarred, and with a rough grey beard. The man draped in black before you looks almost identical, give or take a few decades, to quartermaster and interim captain Neris Solalanti. And he says... I will leave you four to deal with this mess. I have a meeting to attend to. He turns around into the corridor, flicks his wrist in a fashion that you recognize from a vision, Neris, and begins walking down the corridor. As we have pre-rolled initiative, um, let us start with the fish man. 
All right. After seeing the withered corpse to our right, um, Fishman knows that, yeah, they are not invited here. So he will, yeah, immediately just go into combat. Firstly, he'd want to target the skinniest of them all. The skinniest is definitely Zamanir, the older mage figure. Yeah, okay. So Fishman is going to bolt over... Um, the counter if you can to try and find some cover and he's going to attempt to take two shots with Aeoglendai his crossbow at Zamanir it'll be uh, Zamanir right now so that one there no unfortunately that won't hit so his first arrow just flies past his head but then he'll knock up another arrow and he'll let that loose which I believe that one also just grazes past Zamanir's head unfortunately and then he will take cover behind the counter if he can. For our listeners' reference, I have actually told my players the AC of these characters ahead of time in order to expedite things and help with the narrative drive of the combat as well. Allow them a bit more control over the narrative side of their actions. He will cast Hunter's Mark on Zamini. So he is marked. Next is Alton. This whole situation seems to be leading into combat. I think Alton would have been um, staying back a little bit, but hearing this rush of noises and everything, he'll charge forwards and uh, get out his pistols, load them quickly. And which one was it that attacked Tibble? Was it Rort? I believe Rort did the bulk of the damage. The ogre figure with chains draping down their arms and hanging down to the floor. So Alton will fiddle around with his pistols a little bit to load them up with some poison damage and then he's going to take aim and fire at Rort. So first one hits, is 24. Oh, <laughs> one point of poison damage. 11 points of piercing damage, one point of poison damage. Uh, so 12 points of damage total. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Then he's going to fire his last additional two shots in. 16 will hit. Big bulky figure that doesn't really wear armor. It's not hard to miss, no. That's uh, nine points of piercing for that one. And then final, the bonus action, that one will hit two. And that one is just five points of piercing damage. And then Alton will try to find somewhere that he can take a bit of shelter. <laughs> He'll slide in beside Fishman. So, Cerise back on the docks with Loren. Do you take any action at this point in time? Damien had sent Ham to go notify them that the ship was safe. So whether Ham has gotten there yet or not... um... You see Ham running up the dock towards you. There we go. And Cerise heads off in the direction of the ship. It is a fair distance, so that will probably take your action as well. So, Janus. Janus was a little bit far back, but I assume we've all seen what we've just seen as the Sin Seekers have crawled in. So... Janice just shakes his head for a moment, wide-eyed, sort of, like, stunned. It can't be. And he looks at his narrows for a moment, and then just shakes his head off. He's like, we need to get in there. And he's going to rush in. He had his wave rider glaive holstered on his back. He pulls that out as he rushes in. So much faster and taller, and which pales in comparison to at least two of the Sin Seekers. But he slides in front of exactly where Silenon is. Like, Silenon, what are your plans? Why did you call us here? That is for us to know and you to find out in good time. You keep these people safe. Or you will die. You seem to have a great deal of confidence for someone who has no idea what is happening. That's the bonus, eh? I don't need to know. I just need to know who to hit. And he's going to take a big swing at Cylonon. 
Cool. Yeah, excellent. Um, so that's a natural 20. So, yeah, he says that and just swings at him, doing a big jaw-breaking whack to the side of the face because that's a 28 to hit. 14 points of slashing damage. I forgot to say the command words. Not, not lightning at the moment. That's fine because... He is going to bonus action. Uh, there will be lightning flying around as above. You can hear the distant rumbling of a storm brewing above, above the building as he instead begins to rage after that first hit. Lightning sounds sort of reverberates through the room and then he just cracks down again. He's beating to submission. The second hit misses, however, as Silent Uncle pulls back, grabbing his jaw and stepping deftly out of the way, having been caught off guard by the ferocity of this intensity of Janice's rage. And because he's raging as well, a storm aura has begun, and so one creature by choice takes lightning damage. We'll say that's Silent as well, so it's a DC save of 15, uh, dexterity. It's an 18, but it's still half on a success, I believe. So that's oh, five, so let's say two points of lightning damage. And the, the crackling smell of ozone almonds and lightning courses through the roof. It's almost like the storm is forcing its way into this building. Stand aside, we mowed down. <laughs> okay, next is Loren, again on the docks. So Cerise has just taken off running. How far away is the Hydra building? Is Janice's storm above the building or, like, visible from far away? And would Loren be able to see it? It's probably few hundred feet getting through the crowd would be uh, the thing taking the time you can see the storm from here i will say i don't think it would normally be that big but given that it is already heavily raining and the natural 20 on the opening move that janice made i think the storm is quite present I did get a 16 perception check just to, like, see. So it is canon that Loren recognizes storms and she understands what they mean. She knows what that means. So she knows shit isn't going well. And she looks at her captain as she runs onto the other ship. And she stands there and she doesn't know where to go. So she grips her staff tightly. She pulls at this magical energy that she has never fully been able to tap before because it's always just been through scrolls. And in a moment where he definitely doesn't want to hear her voice, I would really love to send a sending to Neris. Mm. Okay, so what sending do you send? So Loren is standing there shaking, the rain around her shimmering, and she sends, It looks like the big man's raging. Do you all need help? My captain's on their ship, but... Where am I actually needed right now? So, Neris, you get that message. You would get a response back. The first thing you would notice is that it is mildly panicked. And you get, It's me, I know everything. You can't surprise him because everything that can happen has already happened. It cannot escape. It cannot... What? And then you get another response. He is quite right, you know. I don't appreciate you messing with my ship. I think you'll need to join us here. Damien, Loren, Cerise, and Ham, I need you all to roll charisma saving throws, please. You can choose to fail it if you want. Okay, so I am purposely rolling at disadvantage because I think Loren is too in shock in this moment to willingly fail. And I got a nat one. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Damien rolled a 25. Okay. 
Cerise. 13. And Ham. So it's just flat roll plus charisma, which I believe is actually not very much, even though Ham is very cool and handsome. <laughs> I got a nat 20 for Ham! The natural 20 usually wouldn't be an auto success on a save, but I'll allow it in this instance for simplicities and narrative's sake. Damien and Ham manage to resist this spell. Cerise and Loren, you find yourselves magically teleported into the entrance hall of the headquarters of the Heads of the Hydra in the middle of this uh, combat. Neris, what the feck? Well, that was interesting. And smoke starts appearing. Did Neris hear the response as well? Neris did not hear the second response. He will in a few decades, though. You technically still have your bonus action, Lorraine. Oh boy! I guess I'm just gonna slam my staff on the ground, and when I pull it back up, the trident prongs are all extended. Alright, next is Rot. Rot is going to go up to... Yeah, Janice, because he's messing with the second in command here. He's going to recklessly chain sweep. So that is a 24 to hit. So Janice has just smashed down on Silenon and then missed hitting him again. So in him trying to move forward to try and catch Silenon again, he gets completely taken off guard, as he did many times aboard the Sin Seeker ship as these chains crash down. So you take... 13 points of bludgeoning damage, and I need you to make a constitution saving throw for me. That is... Oh, okay. That's a nine. You are knocked unconscious. You aren't at zero hit points, but you are knocked unconscious. Yeah, so he hits the ground with his seat and does not move. Okay, that is Rotsko. He can't do a lot, but he can do very powerful things once every six turns on average. Next is Zamanir, the mage. He's going to target Loren, I think, with a drain potential. So that is a 14 to hit. So you take... Ooh, there's a couple of 9s and a 10 in there. Uh, You take 35 points of necrotic damage. And Zam even gets 10 temporary hit points. And then he is going to throw a dagger at Rue. That is 22, so that'll hit. So Rue, you take 3 points of piercing damage... And an additional 11 of Psychic. So Rook is like, hmm, as this little dagger just tinks off, and then they just shake as like their eyes flash their different colours in quick succession as the Psychic damage shakes hold. Next is Silenon's go. Silenon is going to start with a wave of sloth. Can I get Tibble, Alton, and the Fishman to each roll me a wisdom saving throw? and got a dirty 20. So that is a success. I have chronic fatigue, fucker. <laughs> Try me. Tibble got a 17. Uh, Fishman got a 22. Okay, you all succeeded. That is Silenon's go. And Tibble, it is now your go. So Tibble looks at the scene around him and he looks at Neris, his Neris. What does he see? It starts with confusion and then recognition understanding and as Neris pulls his eyes away from that hallway and looks at the carnage in front of him it turns just to fear and understanding and devastation as he realizes that possibly he's had a fairly big hand in this Tibble takes that in nods and then turns away again 
He raises his Starseer Cutlass and he's going to cast Fairy Fire. And as he does this, he says, I know the people in my crew. This is not the future that they will get. He's going to use his bonus action to rally Neris. I trust you, lad. This is not your future. He rolled max three superiority die, so you get an additional 11 temporary hit points. But yeah, he casts Fairy Fire. Um, I'm assuming because this is a room that it is going to probably cover all of them. So they all need to make a dexterity saving throw. Any that fail, the attacks against them are at an advantage. What's the DC? The DC is 15. So Zam failed, Silenon failed, and Zardos failed. So they all are kind of glowing with this fairy fire magic. Uh, then it is Zardos go. Zardos is quite a bulky figure, large creature. Something of note of Zardos, Zardos seems bulkier than before with uh, hints of green and maroon starting to show over the former red form that he had. I think Zardos will go for Rue. He's not going to go up to Rue. He's going to hurl flame at Rue, which he gets to do twice. For flavor, Rue's just been reacting to the psychic damages. Now is turning their head, trying to assess both Janice and Loren, who are both severely hurt. The first strike goes past your head and misses completely. But the second strike, as you're distracted, glancing off to the sides, it hits you square in the chest as I rolled a natural 20. So that is 39 points of fire damage. Okay. And that is his go. Neris, it is your go. So Neris is doing great and fine and all. So Neris has seen everything that's happening. He's looking at Janice on the floor, everyone taking huge hits. The knowledge that future me, this is the direction that I chose to go. But it couldn't have been because I'm hurting my friends. And Neris's eyes turn off to the right to look at the desk that a few of our crew are hiding behind and this shriveled corpse of a secretary who Neris probably knew that some form of necrotic energy, the sort that Neris has been playing with. And as Neris looks down at his hands where almost unbidden this twisted vine is somehow clutched in his hand and he's just going to look up at going to be silent on I think because he seems to be the one who's leading everything else. From past experience yes. Not anymore but he seems to be the rock and Neris intends to crack it so we're going to point this vine and this necrotic energy begins to form and shoots out at Silenon. This is not Wither and Bloom. This is Blight. <laughs> it is a constitution saving throw and the emotion that's going through Neris's face just turns to single anger and hatred at the situation and that causes Silenon to roll an eight. That makes his total 14, which I'm guessing... Is a failure. That is 36 necrotic damage. That is incredible. He is looking shaky and dehydrated. Do you have anything with your bonus action? He's just shaking. That's all he is. He doesn't know what's happening. We need to deal with this situation before we can think about the ramifications of his past. You know what? At the end of your turn... 
Silent on skin, anger, and annoyance. Gonna use his legendary action and make a fire ray attack against you. We're just gonna silvery barbs that off the cuff. Okay. Yeah, that cuts down to only a nine to hit, and it goes wide of you. You do not trust yourself, do you? There's no response. All right. Rue, it's your go. So Rue, as ever, is reacting in that slow manner that they always do, which seems almost too slow for the whirlwind of battle. So they look through the fall and they get hit by flames. They turn around to try and keep track of everything. And then they finally seem to make a decision and spider-like, looming, make their way to Loren and reach a long, clawed hand down in almost blinding speed. And the light behind their eyes flashes this intense, bright energy and almost seems to surge through the seams of their mask down through to their hand as they pump 30 points of Leon hands into Loren. And Brew then turns their head, crouched by Loren, looking towards where Janus has fallen. And they just call out to the Sin Seekers, Why are you doing this? We do what must be done. But hurting others is always the poorest choice. Just know you struck first. And then with their other hand, more light surges out through their mask. And with a bonus action, they're going to cast a spiritual weapon, which this time it's going to take form of... It's almost like the Polaris itself. It's like a little miniature ship. And the ship turns over and is... I guess it's going to hit wrought or try to. Okay, cool. I'm going to take a picture of that. I rolled another nat 20. That was with a different dice to Genesis dice. So that's a D8 plus two. So five points of radiant damage, I believe it is. Plus the total, which is 10 points of radiant damage. So 15 points of radiant damage all up with spiritual weapon as the Polaris kind of just like turns over and just cracks into this hulking chain figure. All right. Next is Damien back on the Sin Seeker's ship. Sorry. Could Damien tell that there was a spell cast to try and pull him away? Yes. Okay. He is very concerned about that. Does Ham return? That's the thing. Just being out on the docks with no context, Cerise and Loren have disappeared. Would Ham return to the ship? What would Ham do? I'm going to roll a d20 and 10 and under, Ham is just going to kind of look around confused for this turn. Over that, Ham will run back to the ship to find Damien. That's an 11, so he's going to start padding over there. Okay. It's still probably going to be about a turn or so before he gets back onto the ship. But for now, Damien, you see this very ornate chair in front of you in the room that seems almost built in or at least sealed into the floor. Oh, God. Fuck it. He's going to sit in this chair. Okay. Would you like to attune to this chair? Yes. A hundred percent, yes. Upon sitting in this chair, you can immediately attune to it. You feel numb along your legs and arms, almost like the most intense sensation of pins and needles you have ever had. And as that feeling fades to the back of your mind, but doesn't go away, it just is there long enough to just be acceptable as your reality now. You realize you are one with the ship. This chair is a spell jamming helm. You are now in the pilot seat of this ship that is capable of sea travel, air travel, and space travel. Oh, good God. And we'll see what you do with that on your next turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next is the Fishman. All right, so Fishman is quite concerned because is Janice still on the ground? Is Janice still unconscious? 
Uh, yes. All right, so Fishman saw Rort do that. So Fishman is going to stand up from underneath the counter. He will do something which people haven't seen him do before. He's going to place what looks like a thin bit of metal up beside his cheek, and his tattoo glows a sickly green. He'll point his hand towards Rort, and a ray of sickly green shoots out and into Rort. Now, I believe that Rort is both fairy-fired and did a reckless attack, yes? So, like, either way, it would be at advantage. So, that is... Ooh! So, he definitely gets hit. He takes 14 poison damage. Rort is looking shaky. Mm-hmm. Can he also make a constitution saving throw? That is a 22. That's fine. But on top of that, Fishman is also going to get a number of temporary hit dice as his tattoo slowly fades away with a pulse around him. So he's going to receive six temporary HP. Next is Alton. All right, keep them back. I better help Janice. <laughs> so Alton will duck out from behind the... Is there anyone right next to him? Rort. Rort is next to him. Okay. Well, I guess probably since he's doing this consecutively to Fishman, Rort will be currently getting distracted, so Alton's going to slide in there and try to see if he can heal Janice. What's going on with the Janice situation? He's, he just got knocked unconscious... It's kind of outside of the scope of the ability, but I'll allow you to attempt a medicine check to bring him back to consciousness. All right, so he's going to, like, look in very best. That was a 12. Yeah, it's going to take a bit more than that to get him up and conscious again. In that case, with that medicine check, what do you know if a healing potion would work? A healing potion would not work. Dang. In that case, I guess he'll call out and be like, Ru might need magical healing on this one. And then I'm going to do an action surge and I'm going to attack Rort. Awesome. First one on here, that's a 30. Loving it. And that is for 10 points of piercing damage. For my second one, I'll pop in a bit of poison damage as well. That's a 21. That'll hit. So I'm getting a d6 poison. Come on, do something good. All right. So nine points of piercing and then three points of poison for that one. Ooh. That meets. Just hits him, just kind of skims against him. And so the final one, uh, that one is three points of damage. (laughs) And then he'll just be there, standing protectively over Janus, like, pistol pointer right in this guy's face. Cerise, your go. From the moment that Cerise appears in front of everybody in this reception room, she has sort of been smoking. As she stands there, her eyes slowly start glowing amber. The smoke starts shifting and moving to shadows. And next to her sprouts up a figure made of shadow. It looks vaguely like it would be her shadow. So this is Summon Shadow Spawn. And bonus action, she is going to Hexblade's Curse on, I believe, the one that went for Loren was Zam? Yes. Him. And she gets her little Shadow Spawn to go after Zam. Because the Shadow Spawn goes directly after Cerise and I can't do anything else. So he's just going to do one attack. That does indeed hit. So that does 13 points of cold damage. Chilling Rend. Cerise is also going to walk up to Zam and get within like five feet of him. Alright, Janice, at the end of your turn, can you please roll me a constitution saving throw? You do get advantage from this as well, <clears throat> as the silvery barbs that I cast are sent to Darby as well. That advantage goes to you. Thank you, my man. Cool, um, so that's a 20. Okay, you are conscious again. 
And he doesn't like move far enough, but he rolls away because he's it's almost like he's sort of struggling to get up, but his eyes do snap open as Alton and whoever else paying attention would notice. Next is Loren, as that happens at the end of Janice's turn. So while she has gotten healed, she did take 35 points of damage and go down to 15 hit points. And not mechanically, but just in my own brain, I've sort of decided in the past that 15 is sort of a threshold where I start rolling a dice for a certain thing. And um, it's a wisdom save and I have a plus one and I rolled a real smooth two. So there's no talking my way out of this one. So as she gets hit with this necrotic damage, she kind of falls to one knee. Not enough to be prone, but just like falls a little bit, head down. And even as Rue comes over and heals her and there's this burst of light through her body, Rue, there's this moment, even as you're doing other things, as you're talking to other people, where the magic you send through her body seems as if it is shimmering over shapes that shouldn't be there. And as you take your hand away, and maybe even step back, unnaturally, Loren throws herself up, her back almost breaking with the force as her head is thrown back, and this scream is let out. As, once again, these spines begin to shoot out of her skin. A lot of you saw this in the last combat, but this is worse. These aren't just spines, there are wings growing out of her back, feather by feather. And Neris, both Nerises. You've talked before about how you see the future as a series of screens, as things that can change and alter and flicker and maybe even be glitched out by lack of sleep or anything like that. In a moment, they don't go blank. They don't even disappear. They explode. There is no future around this creature. It's no longer Loren. It is a myth. We live in a world of dragons and demons and fishmen and time-traveling wizards who are their own enemy. So what does it mean to be something that becomes a legend? To be so incomprehensible that those that see you explain you away. In the middle of this combat, in the middle of the Hydra, in the middle of the busiest city in the Alec Isles, A siren has just begun to scream. And I, well, I wouldn't like this to happen, but it's what is going to happen. This scream does not hurt. It's almost beautiful as a hundred voices begin to sing to you. And I need everyone to make a wisdom saving throw. Everyone. What is the DC? 16. 16. So for reference, Azam and Silenon? succeeded their saves. Rort and Zardost. Ruth fails, Janice makes it. Elvin, resistance to charming, I made it. Cerise makes it. Tibble fails. And Nerys got a 16. Meets beats. Fishman? Saves, it's all good. I am so sorry, Rue and Tibble. Uh, You both take two points of psychic damage. You are also incapacitated as you are charmed. If you are more than five feet away from Loren, you must move on your turn towards Loren by the most direct route, trying to get within five feet. You can also repeat the saving throw at the end of each of your turns. If the saving throw is successful, the effect ends on you. And everyone who saved is also immune for 24 hours. So that is Loren's go. And it is Rot's go. So simple chain sweep on Janice and Tibble. I'm going to need each of you to roll me a dexterity saving throw. 
That's 14 for Janice, which I believe does not make it. It meets. Oh. <laughs> Tipple rolled a 19. You still take damage on a success, but it's only half as much. So both of you take five points of bludgeoning damage. Tibble, you get to make another wisdom saving throw. <laughs> That's a 19. You snap out of the stupor that you were put in from Lorenz's song. He kind of keels over gasping as a chain sort of hits him and he is jolted out of this compulsion to move towards this creature that was Loren as a chain that is all too familiar sweeps past him. Zamanir is going to use Gravity Wave, causing a rippling wave of magical gravity to fill a 30-foot radius sphere centered on a point you can see within 100 feet of him. So that's basically, in a room this small, it's going to affect everyone. So I'm going to need everyone to roll a strength saving throw. 18 for Cerise. That is a success. 22 for Tibble. That is a success. Alton got a three. Failure. 13 for Fishman. Failure. 15 for Loren. Failure. 15 for Rue, 21 for Janice. That is a failure for Rue, a success for Janice. Nara's got an 18, little twig man. That is a success. The Slard and Rort failed. Uh, Zamanir and Silenon succeeded. So, anyone who failed takes a whole bunch of force damage and is restrained for one minute. 42 points of force damage. Oh my... Half damage to anyone succeeded. Does this move us upwards or does it crunch us down? It crunches you down. So Rook starts to almost buckle inside and the sparks of magical energy that start flickering out everywhere as they are almost completely crushed inwards. They still have that form, but it's the worst you've possibly seen them. The shadow spawn failed, so the shadow spawn is gone. Rort actually collapses from it. Silenon is incredibly shaky as a result. Zavani is not looking great, but better than others. Next is Silenon. You idiot, that too close quarters for that kind of nonsense. It has left us with some sitting ducks, though. But I don't think I'll be able to handle this. Zam, Zardost, clean up this mess. Silenon is going to use plane shift. I used silvery barbs on my turn. Does that count as before or after? I think it would be after, so you don't have a reaction, no. Well, yeah, Silenon disappears. Ognes blasted, he got away! It is your go, Tibble. So, Rort is still... Rort is dead. It's Zam and Zardos, who are both roughly in the same ballpark. Tibble is going to attack Zam with his Starseer Cutlass. So he attacks and hits, that's a 17 on the dice, and it's a plus 9, and he's going to slice upwards using his sword, 15 points, and then he's going to slash at him again, and that will also hit, that is 11 points of damage. He's also going to use his bonus action. There is a brief moment where Tibble thinks of going to Loren because she's clearly in distress, but then he also sees Rue and he knows that while it's not that he doesn't care for Loren, she's unsafe at the moment. So he goes up to where Rue is and he doesn't really need to crouch down because he's quite small, but he goes over to Rue and he is like, you're all right, lad. You're going to be all right. We'll get through this. And he's going to rally Rue, who will get 10 temporary hit points. 
Bruce crouched back a little bit, still sparking this magical energy, but it seemed to brighten a little bit. And they nod, but they're still staring at Loren, who is transformed into this creature. What has happened to her? I don't know, lad. So, next is Zardos, who was fully affected by the gravity wave, so is restrained, but is able to break free of the wave of gravity to have movement again, but not until his next turn. Then is Nerus. So, this entire fight, since seeing himself, Nerus has not moved. His feet have stayed in the same spot. The only thing that has moved is his head turning to look at things and his arm raising up with that twisted vine. Nerus looks over at Zam, who is not doing great. Did I tell you that you die here? Or did you not need to know? No response. Just a look of disdain. Hmm. We're going to turn the vine on him. We're going to do blood again. Con save. That is 10. So failure. How much damage can you do? 31. He is looking incredibly withered. There's blackened, dehydrated skin going up his arms at the side of his face. The face itself seems stretched taut as it is pulled in against the skeletal structure. Roll me a charisma saving throw, please. Uh, that's a four. Okay. Your vision drifts from the scene ahead, and it picks up with a familiar sight. I am afraid that we have reached a very critical point in our operations here. You hear the words again leave your lips as the room is filled with darkness. Though you can see through it as if by magic, necromantic energy rises from the ground, withering all but four of the Hydra leaders before you. Kiaro throws two daggers at you, one of which you easily deflect away with a shield, though the other digs deep into your shoulder. A focus point of gravity pulls the four Hydra into collision with each other as a barrage of arcane motes fly towards them, downing Kara. Vrosh is banished as the darkness drops and a blight spell causes Azun to wither away. The figure you are watching through the eyes of stands still and swigs a potion. That is all you see. Rue, can you please make me a strength saving throw at the end of your turn to see if you can get out of your restraints of gravity? So that's strength. Oh, so it's a 19. That is enough. So you are able to recalibrate correct for the gravity that you're experiencing. Very quickly, Rue also needs to save against Loren. Ah, uh, yes. And you take one point of psychic. Uh, so they do actually make that. It's a 19 wisdom saving throw. Finally, Damien back on the Sin Seeker's ship. You're in the spell jamming helm. What would you like to do with the ship? Okay, first of all, Silenon. Nowhere to be seen. No? Secondly, Ham. Has Ham made it back to Damien? I'd say at this point, probably, yeah. So Damien, from his position at the helm, looks down at Ham, who is looking at him. I imagine probably curious. (laughs) Damien, from his throne, for lack of a better term, reaches out and pets Ham behind where I guess his ear would be if he was a normal dog. Well, buddy, it appears we've been abandoned. Feel like coming on a bit of an adventure? (sighs) I imagine reticence and confusion. Oh, don't you worry, sweetheart. We'll come back. And Damien is going to take the helm of this ship... And I can imagine there are a few members of the Polaris crew who have been warily keeping an eye out while protecting the Polaris. And they would see the ship that, as far as they're aware, um, 
is a danger. They watch as it floats up into the air and shoots off. As the ship ascends, that's the image we're going to leave on this week. Holy shit, yes! Holy shit! <laughs> Darby, Holy this shit. is brilliant. That is so Get cool. fucked. <laughs> Please remember to like and subscribe. Let us know what you think of the episode. We'll see you next week and hopefully we'll survive. Well, some of us will. Thank Bye. you for listening. So the message that was shared to the Fathomless chat last week, that was about four hours of me figuring out how deep this rabbit hole goes, how long it's been going on for, what it's affected. There's a lot here. So I am reacting like I've heard this for the first time, but I've had a week of just shitting myself, thinking about just how far this goes. Yeah, but no, that vision... That got me. And then I asked Darby a couple of questions and he's like, yep. I was like, great. This is amazing. So yeah, basically everything's gone really wrong. So on the 8th of August, I noted down a quote from Mitch in like the post episode preamble. Mitch said, depending on the direction we go, Neris could be the end of the campaign. The big bad. As a joke. I wrote it down because that was already the direction I was going at the time you said it.